Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. My name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here at Celebration. We're so glad you're here. It's Christmas season, December 3rd, and we're... We have no snow, and that's kind of fun. I don't know. I like it. We just skipped a month of winter. Let's do it four times. Let's, let's, uh, we'll see what happens here. It's great. Um, we just finished. At the end of our freedom groups, there's a, a specific connect group that we have. At the end of the 13 weeks in our freedom groups, we have a freedom conference that it all leads up to. And man, it was just beautiful to see this weekend was the Freedom Conference. Just beautiful to see people just really leaning into their relationship with God, hungry for more. What Freedom Groups are all about is just pulling out the lies that we believe about ourselves and sometimes about God and replacing them with God's truth. And it's so great to hear a time of uh, spirit and truth. We worship Him in spirit and truth. And so we hear, hear the, the truth of God and then we worship worship him and experience his presence. And so we had a great time this weekend at our freedom conference. If you haven't taken a freedom group yet, I'd encourage you. Uh, they're going to start again in January. Make this semester uh, your time to start one. Hey, we got Compassion Canada with us this morning. That's awesome. You might've saw them set up in the lobby. Yeah, they're great. Compassion Canada. They help children around the world experiencing poverty. And man, they help them with food. They help them get schooling. They help them with medical supplies, taking care of all their medical needs. Um, and, and so they're, they're, just, they're just a great organization. We trust them so much. You know, when you give to Compassion Canada, uh, a minimum of 80% of your money goes directly to the child that you're sponsoring. Um, so they do a really good job of their overhead, keeping costs down and making sure that that money goes towards the children who need it. And um, so if you'd like to be a part of Partnering with Compassion today, there's a, a table set up in the lobby. You could sponsor a child or you could give a gift, whatever you want to do. Um, if you'd like to just learn more about that, go see Brian and the team out in the lobby after service. There's going to be a video at the end of service as well, but those guys do great work. We've been partnering with them for years, and uh, it's awesome to see the work that they do across the world. Okay, we're on week two of our series, The Great Arrival. The great arrival, we're walking through Advent, the four weeks of Advent as we lead up to the Christmas Eve service. Hey, how many, uh, how many people, their kids, or maybe you, started your chocolate calendar this week? Yes, very exciting week for everyone. Do, do, uh, do your kids go wild over the chocolate calendars too? My kids go crazy over this thing, those things, but luckily it is the easiest month to get them out of bed for school. Have you noticed that? It's like my calendar. They're like, normally my son, it's so hard to get him out of bed. And, and I love December because he's just like, my chocolate. Ah! My middle daughter, Navy, she went a little bit crazy. Friday, I, I left her downstairs for just a few minutes by herself. And I come down and she's eaten six of her chocolates out of the calendar. Oh. I'm like, Navy, what are you doing? She's like, I needed a snack. I'm like, oh my gosh. But we can learn a thing or two from children in the excitement of Christmas. You know, this month should be a celebration. It's beautiful uh, just to hear the name of Jesus 
proclaimed in, in stores that hear it on you know music around or seeing it different places. It's an amazing month to celebrate. And Advent is such a fun thing as we as we work towards this Christmas day. The word Advent is this is this Christian tradition that's been around since about 400 AD. And Advent means to come into, means waiting for something to happen. Christmas is the celebration of the great arrival. And we live in this beautiful time between the great arrival that's already happened and the great arrival that is to come. And we will continue to explore these four topics in Advent. So the four topics, the traditional topics of Advent are hope, peace, joy, and love. And so last week we talked about hope. This week we're talking about peace. These are our deepest gifts. And Advent is a way to contemplate how to share these gifts, but also experience these gifts for ourselves. And last week, as we explored the topic of hope, we talked about Jesus being our living hope. He's the promise between us and God that it's not about our performance, but it's everything, it's everything that Jesus did. So it's not about what we have to do. It's about what Jesus has done to restore us back to God. And when we allow Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to govern our lives, we experience peace. And we, we talked about God keeping his word to us through Jesus. And 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah calls him the prince of peace. He is the prince of peace. In fact, the moment this baby was born, the angels proclaimed that this baby would bring peace to people. In Luke chapter two, the Christmas story, Luke chapter two, 14 says, they say to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest, on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Come on, say peace. peace. Beautiful. You guys sound good this morning. You guys are, your voices are just warmed up. You're just ready for this. First service, they still got sleep in their throat. You know when, they, you, know when you, you know when you answer the phone, as soon as you wake up, you're like, hello. <laughs> you guys are ready. You don't have none of that. I like this. When you think about the word peace today, you might translate that word to the absence of conflict or maybe the absence of war. And so when you think about that definition of it, you think if Jesus brought peace on earth, then why is there still war and conflict? And while peace can be translated to the ab uh, absence of conflict or it can also be translated to the state of tranquility, um, the Bible gives us a few other examples of peace as well. And the, the way we're going to, the, the thing we're going to focus on this morning is that the Old Testament, the Hebrew translation of the word peace is the word shalom. Turn to your neighbor, say shalom. shalom. It's beautiful. It's, it's such a nice word, shalom. But the basic biblical understanding of shalom is this, complete or whole. Complete or whole, it's, it can be likened to like a stone or a stone wall, which is in perfect shape, perfectly whole with no cracks, in a state of completeness, this word shalom, a state of completeness. It's complex. There's lots of parts to it, like a, like a brick wall. There's lots going on there, but it's complete. It's whole. So peace is not just the absence of conflict, but it's taking what is broken and restoring it to wholeness. You know, Jesus came to bring completeness to people, to make us whole. 
But life happens, and we live in this imperfect world, and what happens is your wholeness can break down, and your shalom can get broken down. Your shalom can start to come undone when things happen to you, when people treat you in certain ways. You know, when you're surrounded by certain situations, your wholeness starts to be broken down. Your shalom starts to be broken down. And when your shalom breaks down, it needs to be restored. My parents have this beautiful, ornate dollhouse, so much better than like the little tykes dollhouses, the plastic ones you get nowadays. This amazing handmade dollhouse. I don't even know where they got it. It's a beautiful thing. And the girls in our family love playing with it. But one day, the boys, my son and his cousin, they were alone playing. They decided, you know, it'd be fun is if we destroyed the dollhouse, if we would break it down. And we started hearing this, sort of racket and check. And then we go and check in on them. And this beautiful dollhouse, it looks a little bit rough. They messed it up. It was whole. Now the deck is all pulled apart. There's a staircase inside that's messed up. Some of the grass is pulled up. It is no longer whole or complete. And my mother was very upset about this. And so my relationship with her immediately had cracks in it. It was no longer whole because the dollhouse was no longer whole. And she's like, you're fixing that. And I'm like, I know, I believe me. So I had to get my little hot glue gun out, work on this thing, and, and get it back to a state of wholeness or completion. I did an okay job. Um, I burnt myself, got a big blister on my finger on that stupid hot glue gun. But the wholeness, you know, it takes work to make it complete. And so once the dollhouse was complete, my mother and I's relationship was restored to wholeness. We were at peace again. Our shalom had broken down, but shalom means to reconcile and to heal. And so now we're at peace again because the dollhouse is also whole and complete. You know, that's what Jesus does for you and I. That he makes us whole. He makes us complete. We went through Isaiah 9. Chapter 6, last week, chapter 6 and 7, was to say he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So Jesus is the shalom with no end. He's the shalom with no end. He will heal what's been broken. And when we sense our shalom has broken down, what are we to do about it? I don't know about you, but often for myself, when I feel like a situation has broken down or there's something between me and someone else or even there's something in me that's, that's wrong or off or it's, it's incomplete, often, for whatever reason, it might be uh, if someone who knows a lot about the Enneagram would be like, oh, you're a seven, so you do this, 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 and this. Anyways, for whatever reason, my natural tendency is to avoid Avoid the situation. I don't want to dig up what's been going on. I don't want to work through, you know, our, our, this conflict. I just want it to go away. I, I, I don't bring it up. I, I avoid it. And hopefully this situation, this conflict goes away. And that is not what Jesus died for. He didn't die to, 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 to have us have this conflict all the time. And often, if you just leave the conflict, it actually gets worse. He came to make us whole or complete. If the shalom has broken down, he wants you to become whole and complete. It's like my kids with Band-Aids. If they get a cut, they want to cover it up right away. It's like, we just want that thing to go away. We don't want to look at it. They, they look at their cut. They're like, ah! I don't know if your kids are like that. They freak out if they see it. They want to cover it, and so it'll go away. 
And this can be the tendency when peace breaks down. Say nothing, do nothing, and hope it all works out. But Jesus came to bring us peace. So what do we do when the shalom breaks down? If you have the God of peace, it will be your desire to make peace within yourself and within others. And oftentimes if we avoid things, we just leave things, the, what happens is that the shalom continues to break down and all of a sudden we're not experiencing the full life that Jesus promised us. And so to bring shalom, to bring peace, is to make it complete, to make it whole and restore our shalom. So how do we do this? I think uh, Paul gave us a great example in Ephesians chapter 4. He kind of just breaks it down really simply. Ephesians chapter 4, 2 to 3, where he says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort. You can't just leave it. You can't just ignore it. Can't just put a bandaid on. Hope it goes away. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And so Paul's instruction here is he says, peace takes effort. He says, make every effort. It's going to take effort. We can't just light a few candles and hopefully we have peace. Remember when you like used to clean your room as a kid? I always did this. When I was like a teenager, I'd clean my room, then I'd light some candles. It was like, oh, it's like this all peaceful. And then the, the final finishing thing is I light the candles in my room. I have peace. Now I've done my research about candles and there's all kinds of carcinogens, carcinogens in them. Uh, so I'm more of an essential oils person now. Uh, but but it's, it, peace is not just like I sit in a room, I have some candles lit and I feel good about myself. Peace takes serious effort. Ask anyone who's ever fought in a war. There's people who fought so that there's peace in our country. They, it took serious amount of effort to bring peace to our country. Peace, peace takes effort. And Paul says, make every effort for inner peace and relational peace with you and others. Peace for inside of you. Because if we don't, we're gonna go around with all this conflict in our lives and all of a sudden it makes life so heavy for us and that's not what Jesus came to give us. He, he's the prince of peace. He doesn't want life to be heavy and full of conflict. It messes you up. You, you can't think clearly if you're dwelling on these different situations and not dealing with them. You ever have like drama between you and a neighbor maybe? You know, a neighbor won't mow, whatever, mow their grass or, you know, they keep parking in front of your house or whatever, or, or, or conflict between a boss or conflict between an in-law or whatever. You have conflict between you and somebody else. What happens a lot of times if we don't deal with it, we're running through the fight that we're going to have with them in our head, right? Oh, they're going to say this. I'm going to say that. Right? Oh, they're not going to know what hit them. I'm planning. I'm prepared. I'm coming into this thing. But Jesus doesn't want you to go around living with all this conflict in your head. Jesus wants, he's the prince of peace. He wants you to have a lighter life than that. He came to bring peace, to make you complete, to make you whole, to restore you to wholeness. So what do we need to do to make peace with, with others? We need to make every effort. If you want peace, you're gonna need to be humble. Ephesians chapter two, or chapter four, two, he says, you gotta be humble. If you want peace, you need to be humble. You need to go low. You actually have to have an open-handed posture. Here, I'll say it this way. You got to uh, assume that maybe the problem is not all on the other person. And maybe you're not right about everything. 
Maybe the situation is not as black and white as you see it. You gotta maybe assume, maybe, maybe, just maybe my opinion's wrong about some, some things. Jesus humbled himself to the point of death. He is the very example of humility. And C.S. Lewis says, uh, it's by pride that the devil became the devil, right? It's like, we, we, humility is the exact opposite of pride. Humility, humility is realizing we can't rely on ourselves. We're always gonna need to rely on Jesus. So we have to say, when it comes to conflict, God, show me where I'm wrong. Asking God's spirit, God, would you convict me in this situation or that situation or even how I'm thinking about myself? Spirit of God, would you convict me Proverbs 13, 10 says this, where there is strife, there is pride. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in the one who takes advice. So if you got strife in your life, there's pride somewhere. I know what you're thinking. Yep, there's pride in the other person. <laughs> I know there's pride, Joel. Could it be that maybe there's some pride in us? That we maybe need to humble ourselves and go, okay, where's pride getting in the way and, and causing destruction in the relationship breakdown between me and this other person and causing me to not have the peace that's been promised to me? Where there's strife, there's pride. Where there's no peace, there's pride. So if you want peace, maybe you gotta ask some people around you, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Or maybe you're saying it this way, how do I make people feel? How do I make you feel when I do this? How do I make you feel when I do that? What happens is when you take that humble posture, it actually leads to healing, leads to wholeness. It leads to a sense of being complete. It leads to restoration. And it leads to the peace that's promised to us in the Bible. That's the great gift that Jesus gives us. Humility leads to peace. And if you want peace, you're gonna need to be gentle. You're going to need to be gentle. Now, when you think of the word gentle, you might think of like your granny making you egg salad sandwiches on Sunday afternoon. Like, oh, my granny's so gentle. Like, you think of the word gentle, you think of like, think of like the most gentle person you know, you might think, I, I'm just not like that. Like, I'm just not a gentle person. Like, I just don't feel like that's me. And so you might think, well, am I supposed to just act like my granny all the time? You know, my, my granny, maybe not so much egg salad sandwiches, but she loves to make ambrosia. You ever had that stuff? Strange salad. It doesn't even make sense. Um, but it, but it, uh, it, it, I mean, it's, it's good. Uh, but it, she's, it's, you think about that word gentle, you might think, I, I'm supposed to act my, like my grandma? That doesn't make sense to me. Um, but the word gentle here is often in a lot of other translations, they use the word meek. And so behind the idea of the word meek is that you'd have your emotions under control. I don't know about you, but I'm an emotional person. Like, I, I'm, I'm just emotional often. And for so many of us, we can just say, well, that's just how I am. But Jesus came to bring us peace. So what does that mean? We got to get our emotions under control. We got to allow God's spirit to come in, convict us, settle our hearts so that we'd be at peace. If you don't have your emotions under control, it leads to a mess. In fact, I've, I've noticed that there's sales tactics that are at work that are trying to get people to make an emotional decision in the moment or a bad decision in the moment. I know because I used to be a salesman. 
I used to be in sales. And, and so, not hating on the salesman here, but the reality of it is, is that we're trying to get, they're trying to get people, often, trying to get people to make an emotional decision in the moment, right? Because emotional decisions, like, don't think about the logical things of, you know, buying this car or whatever it might be. We want you to make an emotional decision, but the Bible says we gotta have our emotions under control. If we want the peace that God promises us, we actually have to control our emotions. We gotta be gentle, not reactionary, allowing yourself to process before you respond. You gotta be meek. Proverbs 15.1 says this, a gentle, here's the word again, gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If you're gentle, if you're meek, if you got your emotions under control, what's gonna happen? You're gonna have peace in your life. You're gonna have the peace that God promised. But if your emotions are going wild, if you're just kind of following what you feel in the moment, you're gonna end up stirring up anger. You can be harsh with people. And all of a sudden, you're, you're not gonna have peace in your life because you're just following your emotions. So I wanna ask you this morning, what are you stirring up? Are you stirring up the, the gift that's within you? Because that's what, that's what the Bible says to do. Stir up the gift that's within you that's been given by the Holy Spirit. Oh, the Spirit has gifts that he's put inside of you. If you would stir that up, man, the impact, the change that would happen in your life. But often we're stirring up things by responding with our emotions. And what happens? Leads to strife. Leads to assuming things about people. Leads to assuming people's motives. Assumption is the lowest form of information, isn't it? It's like we have the truth, we got the half truth, then we got assuming. It's right down here, right? You're just throwing shots in the dark. I think this is why this person did this. And blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden, there's no peace. But gentleness does not mean you're weak. Moses was known for being meek, but he was not weak. In fact, the, the Israelites sinned against God. Moses got angry. You guys, you dummies, what are you doing? And, and Jesus even, he was known for being humble. He's known for being meek, having emotions under control. But what happened, Matthew chapter 21, these people are turning the temple into a place for thieves. Jesus goes in, flips tables, he's angry. Ah! There's a time to get angry. But for the most part, we're to keep our emotions in check. Emotions under control. Why? It's going to lead to peace in your life. It's going to lead to a better life for you. And for me, it's going to lead to peace with you and others. It's going to lead to inner peace. It's about knowing when to get angry. Thank God we're allowed to get angry sometimes. There's some stuff in this world and that happens in life that should make us angry and that we should stand up about. Absolutely. But gentle, gentle is about not getting angry over your hurt feelings, but getting angry over injustice. And Christians can get angry over injustice, but a lot of times what we find ourselves doing is we're just angry over hurt feelings. God's like, that's not gonna lead to peace in your life. That's not what I, that's not what I sent Jesus for. I sent him to be the prince of peace. So if you want peace, you need to be gentle. Gentleness leads to peace. And if you want peace, you're gonna need to be patient. What do we say when we uh, accidentally lose it on someone? You lost your, there's a bunch of words coming out. The word I was looking for was patient. Sorry. I'm talking about patience. Okay, let's do it again. You lost your? Yeah. Anybody ever lost your patience? Come on, I have. Amen. You lose your patience. 
It happens sometimes. And Jesus, is, Paul is saying in that verse, if you want peace, you're going to need to be patient. You lost your patience. If you want peace, you got to find your patience. What exactly is patience, though? Is patience just like I can sit and wait for my family to get ready without freaking out at them? You know, is patience just like I'm okay to wait a little bit longer while I'm tracking the Uber Eats on the way to my house through the map? Come on, hurry up. Why are you stopping there? Oh, no, they got a few stops. They're supposed to come straight to me. What exactly is patience? Patience comes from the Greek word, makroth emia. Oh, come on, I had it. Makroth emia. Comes from the Greek word, makroth emia. And this word, when, you, when this word is translated, it is the capacity to be wronged and not retaliate. Ooh. So patience isn't just, can I wait for the bus to show up? It's the capacity to be wronged and not retaliate. If you're going to have peace in your life, you're going to have to be okay with being wronged and not retaliating. We're surrounded by imperfect people. What Paul is saying here is, hey, man, if, if, you, if you're going to handle life, you're going to have to not be getting back at people all the time. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, where Paul walks through, you know, love is patient, love is this, love is that. When he, this is the word, makrothnia is the Greek word that he uses. When he says love is patient, love is the capacity to be wronged and not retaliate. If you're going to do well in marriage, I always use, we always use this verse, like, right? It's the classic, you're at a wedding, you're waiting for the pastor to use 1 Corinthians, right? You're like, it's coming, it's coming. I always use it because if a marriage that, makes, a marriage that works is not just like, oh, I have butterflies all the time and we always want to watch the same thing on Netflix and we always want to eat the same food and everything's all perfect, oh my gosh. It's the capacity to be wrong to not retaliate. That's the love that makes marriage work and it's the love that makes relationships work and it's the love that brings peace to our lives. Patience is the self-restraint which does not hastily retaliate wrongdoing. You won't have peace in your life if you just want to get back at everyone. Patience is the spirit that never gives up for it endures to the end, especially in times of adversity. And what happens when we're not patient? A harsh word stirs up anger, but patience brings peace. We can be wronged without retaliating, trying to get back all the time. You know, growing up, we often would drive to Ontario for summer holidays. And so we would spend three days in our van together, my parents and the, the, us four boys. And my, anybody got some petty siblings? I'm a, we're, we were all so petty. Oh, praise God, I'm in the right place. Man, we were so petty. Like, we just do the most petty things to each other. I don't know, siblings, it's just, it's fun. It's God teaching us how to live in the world. Um, but we would drive to Ontario, and, and driving to Ontario, it's tough. Three days in the van. I mean, it would be a little bit sweeter if the destination wasn't Ontario at the end of the three days. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> It's like, if we were driving to California, no problem, I'll take the three days. But it was like, we were going out to the bush in Ontario where we'd be eaten by horse flies for the next two weeks. And, and so we'd, we'd spend these three days in the car, and what would happen is we'd get angry about something, 
and my, my two brothers, Isaac and Daniel, would start hitting each other. They, they'd get mad, and they, would, they, they called it last hit. It was like their life, like the pinnacle for them of success in life was who hit the other person last during the fight. And so the fight would be intense at first, slapping each other, and then it would calm down. Hey, stop it. Parents would be like, stop, settle down. You guys got to chill. And then they'd, they'd do these like light taps to get the last hit. You know what I'm talking about? They just, that one was staring out the window, the other one just, and they feel it. Five minutes later, just trying to, this would go on for hours, trying to get that last hit. The war would never end because someone always had to retaliate. Patience leads to peace. If you want peace, you're going to have to be okay with being wrong and not retaliate. And the last thing Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says, if you want peace, you're going to need to love people. Bearing with one another in love. Or we could say, you're going to have to just put up with some people sometimes. Things are not going to be the way you want them to be. And shalom is not just to stop fighting but to work together for each other's benefit. You're going to have to guard your heart because people are going to let you down. Philippians 4, 7 says this, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We've got to allow God's peace to operate. And so when we look at people, when we think about people, do we see people as people or issues? Do we see people as issues or people to be loved? See, we miss out on so much peace because when we see a person, we see their issues. Oh, if they would just change X, Y, Z. Bearing with one another in love is to tolerate each other or else we're going to lose our shalom. We're not going to feel complete. We're not going to feel whole. There's going to be cracks in things because we're always trying to fix everybody else's issues, but we all have issues. And if you're not willing to put up with each other's issues, you're not going to have peace that's promised to you. But with the arrival of Jesus comes the arrival of peace that we can be restored to wholeness where things are broken, where our shalom has broken down. We can be restored to wholeness. I want to ask you today, Do you live at peace with yourself? Maybe you feel like, I'm pretty good with other people. I don't have this, you know, shalom breaking down, but do you live at peace with you? And I know for many of us, there's so much anxiety and stress and heaviness and we want to live right. And Often we just add a lot of heaviness to ourselves and we're surrounded by a million people, a million opinions on the best way to live. But I think, could I submit that we could follow these same steps to live at peace with people. We could follow the same steps to live at peace with ourselves. It's going to take effort. You got to be humble because when you're prideful, you expect a lot of yourself in the wrong way. When you're full of pride, it's like, I expect so much of myself because I'm so much better than the person next to me. But when you're humble, 
You expect a lot of yourself because you know who made you. I know that my creator, he loves me so much. So I just, I just, I just expect a lot of myself. I'm not expecting a bunch from anybody else. I'm just expecting a lot from me because I'm a child of God. It's a little bit more free. You can be patient. Life is long. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. But often we waste time, energy, effort, being so upset about ourselves, about what's gone wrong, that we lose the peace that Christ brought at Christmas time. You're going to have to be gentle with yourself as well. If you're harsh with yourself, you're going to make yourself angry. You're going to get mad at yourself. You're going to get all worked up. And what happens? Anxiety gets stirred up and it's crippling. And then you're going to have to bear with yourself in love. Tolerating what needs to change while working towards a better future. Hey, I'm, I want to get this, this, and this right, but for right now, I tolerate myself. Because God, and God loves me just as I am. I love this quote by Henry Nouwen. He says, not being welcome is your greatest fear. It connects with your birth fear, your fear of not being welcome in this life, and your death fear, your fear of not being welcome in the life after this. It is the deep-seated fear that it would have been better if you had not lived. Hmm. The Prince of Peace must take his rightful place in our lives. Jesus brings peace with others and with ourselves. We've got to find that peace in him, be restored to wholeness. Jesus gave us his life as a gift and now he's called us to bring peace. And because we have the Prince of Peace, we're right with God. Romans 5.1 says, therefore we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Peace expresses the nature of salvation as the restoration of good relations between God and sinful people and the consequent reception of his blessings. Peace with God is the gift Jesus gave his life for. And this season, the greatest, one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is peace with God. We can have our shalom restored. We can be complete and whole, not having all sorts of things go south in our lives, but fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, bringing peace and wholeness to us. If you want to receive his peace today, if you haven't prayed a prayer, or maybe you prayed a prayer before, but you'd like to renew that prayer today. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to ask everybody just out of respect to close your eyes and bow your heads. Just out of respect for each other. Just want to give people some privacy right now. That's all we're doing. If you'd like to pray a prayer with me, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to do something bold and put up your hand. You're making an important decision that's going to change the rest of your life. We're going to pray together. 
It's gonna be a beautiful moment. The Bible says you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. And so today, if you wanna pray with me, our whole church is gonna pray with you in agreement with you. But if you wanna make this bold decision, I'm gonna to count to three. You just let me know who I'm praying with today. One, Jesus loves you. He's seen what you've been going through. Two, you don't have to perform a certain way. It's about accepting what he did for you and living for him. Three, put your hand up right now. Let's see who I'm praying with. Awesome. Hands all over this room. So good. Man, God loves you. So proud of you. Let's all pray this prayer together. God, I humble myself to you today. I need your forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. I believe he died on the cross and was raised to life for my freedom. Today I accept your Holy Spirit to dwell within me. Now I live for you in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for what God's done here today. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.